I want to start from the there was there was your response to Joaba when he came to speak at the uh, annual lecture, I think, of the state. And um, you said that your wife whispered to you. There was something that he had said on the stage about patience and calmness and all of that. And that you are taking note when you were responding to his speech, you said you are taking note of that. I thought that was a very authentic, you know, moment. Was it or was it a political moment? I don't have political moments. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. I am what you call WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Right. right. It was exactly what it was. It yeah. wasn't a political moment. So what did that moment say to you? What was the thing that you were saying you had learned or you had noted from that moment? You know, every day of your life, you have an opportunity to keep growing mm. and to keep learning. Mm -hmm. uh, it does not matter who is the teacher. Mm. Sometimes you can learn from your child. Mm. Uh, sometimes you can learn from an elder, sometimes you can learn from your peers, mm -hmm. but your mind must be open mm. to learning and also hearing some truths that may not be palatable mm -hmm. but useful if you make the adjustments. Mm. And for me, that moment uh, when Joaba was speaking mm. uh, was one of those yeah. that I learned something about myself right. and I saw an opportunity to unlearn and, yeah. and be better. That was it. But for risk, at risk of haranguing you on that, what was the thing that you learned about yourself in that moment? No, that's between me and my wife who has known me for, for a long time. I don't know, 40 something years, yeah. 40, 45 years. Have you so so, so she, she is one of those that I think knows me better than most people. Mm, mm. And that's when the whisper took place. And right. It's a family matter. <laughs> <laughs> Have you enjoyed the past uh, eight years as governor? Have you enjoyed it? I don't know. Um, when people ask me that question, how is Kaduna, I say suffering and smiling. Mm. It's uh, an old fella song mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in which you are going through a lot, lots of challenges, lots of headaches. You are misunderstood yes. most of the time. You are abused most of the time. You are insulted. Yet, um, you sleep well at night mm -hmm. knowing that every single day some progress is being registered in the right direction. Some of it is visible. Mm -hmm. People see roads, mm -hmm. they, are, they say, yeah, building roads, that's visible. But I think that in the last seven, eight years, the most important things we've done in Kaduna State is not infrastructure. It is changing the mindset of people. Mm. It is, you know, investing in education, mm. public education, which is the ladder for social mobility whose results will not be apparent till 30 years from now when I'm gone. Mm. It is uh, investing in primary health care and reducing infant mortality. Mm. Again, whose results will not be apparent till uh, another generation. Mm -hmm. So we have reformed the public service. We've made our civil servants to work in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. This, for me, are some of the most important things we've done. Mm -hmm. We've got people in Kaduna to generally tolerate one another and live in peace and accept that Kaduna is home for all.
Mm. I was quite pleased to learn that the president repeated that today several times when he received the Kaduna State delegation because mm. Kaduna has always been cosmopolitan, but along the line it was divided mm. into ethnic enclaves. Yeah. And we are reintegrating that. For me, those are the most important things mm. we've done. But have I enjoyed it? Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure. My gray hairs do not indicate that I've enjoyed it. Mm. But do I feel a sense of accomplishment? Yes, yes. I do. So, you know, I don't know if I've answered your question, but right. I've said exactly what I feel. What do you feel? There are two su supposedly as elite consensuses. I don't know if consensus is the correct word about your administration. I have never been in any room where they haven't said that by objective standards, you have been an impressive. And I, I, and I know that you don't respect people who praise you, you know, who falsely praise you. So you know that I'm not doing that. But I've never been in any room where they've not said on objective measures, education, roads, the civil service, that you have been an impressive governor. But it's always followed by a but. <laughs> but his temperament. But he's volatile. But he's inflaming. He has not managed the Southern Kaduna crisis well. That's almost uniformly. <laughs> I had a debate, a conversation with your friend, uh, Dikbo Salimonu. He said, it's strange because I've been with Malam. You never hear Malam raise his voice at any of his domestic stuff. So his image in the public and his image in the private are so different. How do you answer to the charge of volatility? No, no, no. I'm not volatile mm. at all. I am not. No one can uh, give an example of mm. any time that I'm volatile. I'm not. I'm just blunt and frank, and I give it to you as well as take it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't mince words. I don't suffer fools gladly, mm. and I am very efficient in my communication because by training I'm, 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 a, I'm an applied mathematician. I'm not a literary person that mm -hmm. plays with words. Mm -hmm. uh, and people don't like that. They say mm -hmm. I'm volatile. I have never raised my voice mm -hmm. on not just domestic stuff. I have worked in the BPE. I have mm -hmm. worked in the FCT. Mm -hmm. I have been governor of Kaduna State. No one that has ever worked with me mm -hmm. will say I've ever raised my voice. I don't have to. Yeah. So the, 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 the disconnect between my public persona mm -hmm. and my private reality is that the public doesn't know me. Those that know me, those that work with me, know that I'm a completely different person mm -hmm. than what is being represented. And check this out. 99% of people that hold that view have never met me, mm. have never spoken to me, mm. have never related with me, have never done anything with me, but they have a view. Yes. And they're entitled to their view. Right. What upsets many people, and that's where the view persists, is that I don't give a damn about their views. I only care about the views of those I work with, mm -hmm. I relate with, and I have to collaborate to get things done. Right. And those people that know me, that relate with me, know that I'm not volatile. Mm. I don't raise my voice. Mm. I am not arrogant. I am a listener. Mm. And I'm very collaborative. And I work with teams. I would not have achieved what I have been 
claim to have achieved in public service mm -hmm. if I didn't know how to organize people mm -hmm. of different backgrounds, different temperaments to work. People talk about my temperament. What temperament? Who has ever seen me get angry? If you see me frown or get angry, it is for effect. It is not because I'm really angry. Mm, mm, okay? Right. So many people don't know me. Yeah. But they have opinions. And they're entitled to their opinions. And frankly, I don't give a damn. And that's up, that upsets them. Because people want you to care yeah. about how they think. But I don't live for others. I don't live by the standards of others. I have my own objective standards. And I have a very, very clear uh, reality mm. from my upbringing and my religion about what is right and what is wrong. Mm, mm. And I don't care what other people think. That does not sit well with many people mm -hmm. who think that their approval should matter to you. Mm. Your approval or disapproval of me doesn't matter to me. I sleep well every night because I am true to my religion, I'm true to my God, and I try to be fair to every human being I come across with. Right. I mean, I have a, obviously, I have a million questions, but you know, you were here on time and we were not, so I will have to move some to when I get an opportunity. But you, talking about not giving a damn, you seemed, however, to give a damn when, and I thought it was uncharacteristic, when the MBA mm. disinvited you from the annual conference or, you know, there was a back and forth about I that. didn't give a damn. But you responded to that. I thought that was unusual. I didn't. I thought you responded and said... Uh, no, it's a I didn't. Right. I didn't. Maybe, maybe Muiwa did. Who, okay, Muiwa is who cares about those things? But I didn't. Mm. There are times where Muiwa gets what? Oh, you know, this is on the news, this on social media. We have to say something. I said, leave it. Mm. This too shall pass. Mm. Mm. I don't. I don't respond to uh, any inanity. Right. Um, no. I mean, this is a bit of a flattening of a conversation. It's a, almost a cliche question at this time, but I must ask it. When people speak about, when they talk about this volatility, they mean policy or political volatility, maybe not personal. Mm. And they specifically, what has seemed, seemed to become an Achilles heel, mm. talk about the Southern Kaduna crisis. Now, mm. time has passed. That's another problem mm. that many people don't understand. Mm. Let me tell you, uh, between 1980 and 2015, a period of 35 years, mm. okay, there has been... Uh, an average of one ethno-religious crisis in Kaduna State every three years. Right. Okay? Right. Where That's the true. entire state is engulfed in crisis, Muslims killing Christians, Christians killing Muslims. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. From 2016 to date, 20, sorry, from 2015 to date when we took over, till today there has never been one. There have been isolated communal clashes, mm. but on a statewide basis, mm. like the Miss World uh, riots or the Sharia riots, mm. never happened. Mm. So no government has managed the Southern Kaduna crisis better than we did. None. And the mentality in Southern Kaduna is changing because of the policies we've introduced. We've not had a single crisis since 2016 that required us to lock down more than a local government. Right. Okay? So it is great success as far as those that know the problem are concerned. But those that sit in their press rooms and write opinions without context, without details, without data, mm. can draw their conclusions. Mm. But the Southern Kaduna crisis does not exist. 
the biggest security crisis we face now in Kaduna State is not in Southern Kaduna. It's in Central and Northern Kaduna where banditry mm. is killing people every single day. The Southern Kaduna crisis is a microcosm. It's mm. nothing. It is a case of some people saying that this one is a settler, I'm an indigenous and I have greater rights than him. Mm. That has been the root of the Southern Kaduna crisis. It hasn't gone away, but it has become isolated and we are managing it and it will go away over time. Mm. But the most important um, uh, uh, measure of our success is the fact that many parts of Kaduna's uh, state, like Kaduna Metropolitan, Zaria, even the towns and settlements in southern Kaduna are becoming more integrated. Mm. Muslims and Christians live side by side. Mm. That was not happening until we came into office. The state was deeply divided. and it's, It has a long history starting from 1981. Many people don't know the context. They just take the headlines. But we have data. We will be publishing a report of the history of ethno-religious crisis in, southern, in, in Kaduna state from 1980 to date. And when we publish that report, people that want to know the truth, that want to have the facts, will have the facts. Mm, mm, but mm. even politically, when we came into office, Southern Kaduna was a, 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 the, 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 a bastion of the PDP. In the last local government elections, where we used electronic voting, mm. where it was free and fair, APC won in, what, five local governments out of eight? Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, two are in court, uh, in the tribunal, two or one? I think it's two. two. Okay, so even if we, even if uh, uh, PDP got the three, mm. we are still the majority party, even in southern Kaduna. Right. Which means we are making progress in getting people to vote, not along ethno-religious lines, but based on performance and quality of candidates. Mm. And our elections were free and fair. We didn't cheat. We didn't write results like other states do. We allowed free and fair elections. Mm. Yet, we won with the majority party in Southern Kaduna. Mm. So, to me, these are all the indices of success that many people don't want to see, they don't want to observe, because the, 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 the volatile erufai must be made to look like a failure. Right. And you know, yeah. again, I tell them, I don't give a damn. I have my standards. <laughs> Right, okay. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody, the big issue on everybody's lips now is the next election, 2023. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm going to ask again, just because we don't have a lot of time, you know, so the context has to be flattened, you know. Will you be seeking higher office in 2023? No, I'm, I will not be seeking any office. Any? No. I mean, you said that eight years ago. I remember one interview, somebody yeah. said, oh, he said, oh, every president should run for president. Like, you should leave me alone. Yeah. And I thought that that statement would come to bite you in a few years. No, it will not. <laughs> you will not be seeking office? I will not seek office. I have never sought office, by the way. Okay, will you accept office? I don't know. Mm. It depends on who makes the offer. It depends on uh, the state of the country, whether I'm really needed. Because, look, I'm, I'm going to be 63 years old next year. Yes. That's pretty old. <laughs> okay, in a country where 80% of the population is below the age of 40. Okay, so I really want to see younger people, you know, being tested, being given opportunities. And we've tried to do that in Kaduna State. We've mm -hmm. also given opportunities to women yes. more than any other state. I believe that. I've practiced it. I have lived it. Now, the only circumstance in which 
I might be drawn back to public office after suffering all these years is if the country is in grave danger and I have some unique value addition to make mm. that I think I, I'm probably one of the best persons to make that value addition. But mm. if I can find a younger person that I have mentored that can do the same thing, I'll rather uh, push him forward. But you, know, you never know. But seeking office, I've never sought office. I was called and appointed advisor to Abdesalam Abokar. I was called and appointed DG of BP by Obasanjo. I was called and appointed minister of FCT by Obasanjo. Mm. President Buhari called me and said, you must run for governor of Kaduna State. That's why I'm here. I have never in my life sought office. I have never lobbied for any office. But when I am called and I think the environment is conducive for me to be able to contribute, I will consider it. It will not be a personal decision. It will be a family decision. It will be a group decision because there are people that I have grown with in my life and in my work that I always consult before I take such decisions. Right. What is the thing that is driving you? You know... You have been, at least since democracy's return, you've been one of the most central forces, you know, in the evolution of public life. You've also been, I mean, you've written one, for my generation, you know, one of the more important books that gives insight into governance. You know, I read Accidental Public Servant over a period of two days in London. I never forget, I picked it up and I couldn't finish it and I was alarmed. Oh, how is he going to survive politically in Nigeria after such a book? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so t actually two questions, one is, what is the thing? You've, and you know, you've, you've taken some very risky, you know, political stance. Some things, obviously, like um, I will say to you, I've said, ah, no, that one is a bit too far. You know, people have had all kinds. You've taken strong stands. Yeah. What is the thing that is driving you? If you say it is not just the acquisition of power, what's the thing that is driving you, number one? And then sub-question. Did you, did you think, how did you survive writing the accident? How are you still you know, functioning at Look, political office after writing such a dangerous book? Listen, everyone told me, after the accidental public servant, yes. you will never go near any government office. I didn't care because I never wanted to be in government anyway. Right. It was accidents that brought me in. So I didn't care. But I felt it was important to put down my story mm -hmm. and also open the black box of governance for young people like you to see what really happens. I have no regrets. I'm glad I've done that. I'm working on a second edition where I will add a postscript or something. Right. Um, now, what is driving me? Yes. Anger. Aha. Okay. That is my driving force. I'm angry. I'm angry about the state of things in Nigeria. I am a student of history. I'm a student of uh, uh, global economics. And I look at Nigeria's GDP per capita mm. and compare with Singapore, mm. I compare with China mm. in 1960. And I look at where Singapore is today, where China is today, and where we are. And it upsets me. It upsets me deeply. Mm. Because we have more potential mm. than Singapore. We have almost the same potential as China. Yet... We are where we are. Why? It is that anger that is driving me to give my best. If I lose my life in the process of making Nigeria better, I have no regrets. Nigeria has been kind to me. I have attained, achieved everything I want in my life. Mm -hmm. But I don't want my children 
30 years from now to look at China and Singapore and would still be behind. Mm. So whatever I can do, whatever risks I have to take to make governance better, to make our public service better, to make our politics better, I'm ready to take it. I'm ready to be the sacrificial lamb. Mm. I think that is the difference. Right. And I am genuine. I am what I say I am. I don't have any pretenses, you know. So I, 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 if I believe in something, I go out and do it. Right. Okay? Mm. If I believe in writing the accidental public servant because I think it will make Nigeria a little better, I will take the risk. Right. But as you can see, there is some value in being real. Mm. Because mm. in spite of the accidental public servant, in spite of everything, I've got re-elected. And in spite of the fact that I have made it very clear that I am not throwing my hat in the ring for any public office. There is no article about 2023 election that doesn't mention my name as a potential contender. Mm. Nobody, nobody can quote me as saying he has sat with me in a room and I have indicated any interest to run for any office. Yet, I'm being mentioned. Why? Mm. Because people have looked at what I have done and they know that when I say I will do something, I do it. When I say we'll sack 22,000 teachers yes, I was going and to that will that. put our election at risk and I didn't care because for me, our children getting quality public education as I got in the 60s and 70s is far more important than a second term of office. So we sacked them. But we got re-elected because the people got it. They understood that we were genuine. Mm. We are not wicked people who wanted to throw 22,000 innocent Nigerians into the job market. They did not de deserve the job in the first place. And we, and we got re-elected. Right. Okay? Right. When I picked my deputy, a woman, yes. a Muslim, people said, I'm doing Muslim, Muslim ticket, I'm doing this. They did not look at the quality of the ticket. They said, I would lose the election. I won because people saw that we were genuine, we were real, we want to work for them. We are not in this business for fun. Mm. Mm. We are in this business of politics and governance to make the lives of others better. That's it. I, you know, I so believed in the Buhari you know, candidates in 2015. I worked for that candidate in 2015. I know. You know, it's one of the, it was one of the more important moments in my life. Yes. I am disappointed in that presidency, you know, I have, it's disappointed me, <laughs> you know, um, the national, and I, I say it, I cannot deny my history because I'm now an interviewer, yeah. you know, in very personal ways I'm disappointed. What, are you proud of this dispensation that you were part of the co-creators of, the APC, the coalition, and the Buhari presidency. Are you proud of it? Look, um, people try to draw me in to commenting on the national, on national politics and the federal government. I stay away from that for two reasons. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am very close to President Buhari. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was one of the co-creators of APC. Mm -hmm. Yes, I worked very hard on the campaign and I believed that President Buhari was the best person to save Nigeria from where it was at that point in time. Mm. And those that think 
President Buhari's government has not done as well as it ex uh, as expected, mm. should have should also look at the alternative if Jonathan had continued. Mm. Okay, if you look at that comparatively, you will come to a different conclusion. But I don't comment on the federal government. I'm not close enough to what is happening and the challenges that the federal government is facing to be able to make a judgment. Mm. What I want to say is that as the governor of Kaduna State, President Buhari and his government gave us every support and encouragement to perform. And we did the best we can. So in terms of federal and state relations, in terms of national and subnational relations, I think the government has handled that very well. That I can comment upon because it's a relationship that mm. I enjoy the benefits or the disadvantages. Mm. And no one will come to Kaduna State and look at the seven years of the APC government and compare with the 16 years of the PDP government, I will not give us a pass mark. Mm. That's what I'm accountable for. Mm. I was elected as governor of Kaduna State. I was not elected to manage the federal government. Mm. So if you like, I can set up an appointment for you to interview President Buhari yes, or his like. ministers <laughs> and you ask them that question. <laughs> Because I don't like passing judgment when I am not in the game. I used to be a federal minister, yes. so I know the stakes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a state governor, yes. and I know the difference. I would rather those in the federal government ask those questions because they have more facts, they have more data to respond to that. I don't want to go into that. Okay, we don't have time, so I'll drop it there. I was going to say that, but you did pass a lot of judgment on the administration before this, so people will say what changed then. Then I was outside, I was a citizen. I was entitled right. to make that judgment. Right. Now I'm not a citizen. I'm a state governor. Mm -hmm. I have a job to do. And I also have direct access to President Buhari. I can go and ask him any questions. I can tell him anything. I'm one of those that he has given that privilege mm -hmm. of unlimited access. And I tell him anything I want to tell him. I disagree with him. I advise him and so on. So having that privilege means that whatever discussions I have with him remain privileged. Asked and answered. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you thank for your you. patience. I have follow-up questions, but at the part two interview, <laughs> we will ask those questions. All thank right. you very much.